What would you want our listeners a decade or two behind you to think about and do to help them master their schedule and calendar for the goal of raising effectiveness? They have got to spend more time thinking about the why than just the what. Mm. Uh, they've, they've got to, another way to say it is, they've got to be thinking about who they want to be and why that, that is true for them and not just the what they want to do. Welcome to Executive Minds, the podcast helping you convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. Here's your host, Kevin B. Jennings. Welcome to Executive Minds, where we help ambitious professionals like you convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. I'm Kevin B. Jennings, and in every episode, you'll get principles, strategies, and tools from experienced and emerging leaders. These people have maximized their potential to do things like launch ideas, lead teams, build businesses, improve communities, and ultimately make a difference in others' lives. Today, we have David Farmer back on the podcast. David is a founding mentor on our team at Executive Minds and Mentor. He is also the Senior Vice President of Restaurant Experience at Chick-fil-A. And in episode 208, David briefly mentioned that he shared a snapshot of his schedule with me. And when I saw it, I knew we needed to discuss it here on the podcast. David's calendar was slammed with meetings, yet consistently had space to work and think. There was clearly a method to the madness. So I asked him to come back on and share how he masters his schedule to maximize his time. And in this conversation, you're going to learn how healthy, high-performing executives and leaders get it all done. Now, before we jump into our conversation with David, I want you to know today's episode is brought to you by the newest productivity tools from Full Focus. See the all-new desktop tools, planners, and accessories built to take you and your team's productivity to new heights, accomplishing your most ambitious goals. And as a special gift to listeners of Executive Minds, get 10% off site-wide at the Full Focus store until midnight on Friday, March 18th, 2022. Visit executiveminds.co forward slash full focus. That's executiveminds.co forward slash full focus. Executive Minds is also brought to you by the Art of Leadership Academy. The Art of Leadership Academy is an online learning community created and led by best-selling author and leadership expert, Carrie Newhoff. Growing an organization is no easy task, and the last few years have made it harder than ever. 
with on-demand courses, monthly live coaching, monthly staff training, and a premium community with other leaders facing the same challenges and opportunities that you are, you'll have what you need to lead your business or church. Go to artofleadershipacademy.com to sign up today and get a special introductory price through the end of March 2022. When you use the promo code execminds, all one word at checkout. Well, future difference makers, today's episode is a masterclass in time management. So I want to recommend you schedule an hour to give yourself some time to implement what you're going to learn today. In this episode, David Farmer breaks down the principles he uses to master his calendar so he ensures he gets everything done. And David has a lot to do, but he pulls it off without sacrificing at home. If you're new to the podcast, David is one-fourth of the Mentor and Executive Minds team. David's background caters to growth and innovation within businesses small and large, from startups to multi-billion dollar businesses. He currently serves as the Senior Vice President of Restaurant Experience for Chick-fil-A and previously launched an innovation practice within the organization. His focus is developing products and customer experiences that fuel sales growth and strengthen the brand. David also has been married to his amazing wife, Mallory, for more than 30 years, and they have three children. In this conversation, David breaks down the what, why, and how behind his time and schedule management strategies. Let's get started. Okay, David, we're going to jump right into this conversation. So, I mean, for those who didn't check that episode out, uh, I recently had you on the podcast and we talked about the top lessons that you've had pretty much in 2021 and some of 2020. And you did a great job of us letting us get a peek behind the curtain into how you are processing your world. And we ended up talking a bit about how you manage your calendar which I personally think you do at a Jedi level. I'm sure like any great Jedi, you probably see other levels of mastery that are still left for you. So today I wanted to talk about your calendar management principles and hacks and and even maybe explore a week in the life of a high-ranking executive. So that's where I want to start. Will you just take us behind the scenes a bit and share what a typical week even looks like for you day by day, even weekends, if you're willing to go there. Uh, And then we'll save the back end for a lot of the why and how type questions. Well, let me just first of all say, it's great to be with you. I always take advantage of an opportunity to be with one of my favorite people in the world. So this is a good way to spend part of my week. Uh, And you're kind. I will will tell you, um, I am maybe a little OCD on this. And so uh, I'll share what I do, but I'm not 
telling others you got to do the same thing. You kind of got to figure out what works for you. Sure. Um, what's required of you? What's what's your personality? But I have found that I'm I'm pretty ambitious in terms of what I would like to see happen in the course of a week. And you have to be a little fanatical about how you manage the calendar if you want to make that work. I would also tell you I'm very fortunate that I have help. And so I have an executive administrator at uh, Chick-fil-A, Tania Fouts, who is awesome. She has – she is built for this. Mm-hmm. Um, she really works hard to help me. And it begins by – as she says, I need to kind of be your second brain. So tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what your priorities are. Tell me about your goals and what's important so that I can help. Because she basically schedules – most of the things on my calendar. And mm-hmm. then I actually have help. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Rebecca Ballman, who I met through Belay. And she helps me with personal things and will kind of coordinate with Tania to, to, to get personal appointments on the calendar for me as well. So, you know, the old adage, it takes a village. I'm, I'm blessed that I got a little bit of a village with awesome people. That's awesome. Yeah. If, so if I said, what's the week look like? It has changed because of the pandemic. And I would say this has been one of the good things that has come out of the pandemic. We have more flexibility than we used to, meaning we don't have to be at our campus every single day. We have some guidelines. We, we call it flexible future. Hmm. We've all learned how to use uh, Microsoft Teams and Zoom and everything. And so we're trying to leverage that appropriately. I have one son who used to travel essentially every week. I'm not sure that was healthy. It was kind of wearing him down. Everything they do is virtual now. I'm not sure that's healthy either. So I think what we're trying to do is find a a really good blend. And so that has enabled me to redesign what I kind of call an ideal week. And folks like um, Michael Hyatt and Daniel Harkavy talk about that. And they even give templates. And Tania's helped me kind of with a template for what my ideal week would be. I will say this. I think there's an enormous amount of value in planning out an ideal week. And then you have to manage expectation and know you're probably never going to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you're going to have, if you graded it, you'd be a lot closer to the week being ideal if you kind of work on it than you would otherwise. It, right. Those things don't just sort of happen serendipitously. you got to work them out. So what that means now is we're trying to stack up meetings. We've worked really hard to create alignment across the people and teams that I work with. Hey, let's when we when we need to meet, let's try to stack that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, in our office on campus. And this gives us the ability to do face-to-face connection. Uh, there are some people that can't always be there. Now we have the ability to have what we call hybrid meetings. We're trying to get the right technology so that we can meet in person and they can connect in. Uh, through Teams or or Zoom. So that's important. I set up most of my critical meetings on on those days. I meet with my uh, direct leadership team. Um, I'm part of an officer group. We have a huddle typically uh, at the end of uh, the morning on Monday mornings. I leave Tuesday and Wednesday for a lot of the strategic project meetings that I'm part of. And then get to a lot of one-on-ones. I do a lot of one-on-one meetings, either with people that I'm meeting with or maybe that I'm helping to try to mentor or where I'm trying to just sort of connect, create alignment, or have an opportunity to understand or influence around a particular issue. So that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And you see a lot of meetings in there. uh, I know some people hate meetings, but to do what we do, you just have to kind of connect. 
Mm-hmm. I travel uh, generally about every other week. It can vary. And so I try to think about the midweek as being the ideal time slot for that. Like if I left out on Wednesday afternoon, I could come back Thursday evening, or if it needed to bleed into Friday, could do that depending upon how far we're trying to go. I try to have the ability then to work remote at the end of the week. It's You and I are doing this on Friday. I'm remote today. That saves me where I live in Atlanta, about two hours of commute time. It's about wow. an hour each way to drive and then park and kind of get in, into the building. I would say another part of the week is I try to create start and stop boundaries and honor boundaries so as not to carry work over into um, family time, whether that's at night or on the weekends. It doesn't mean that never happens. And so sure. my wife, Mallory, and I, she, we understand. She knows if, if, if I just need to do something, she's very understanding because I don't make that the norm. Yeah. So it's more the it's it would be an exception and and not the norm. Uh, so really try to save the weekends for personal projects, personal priorities, family time, all that. So Saturday tends to be the day where I have to I, I do the the biggest lift personal projects, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's around the house or you know like I hate to say this, but my personal project for this weekend is I got to get all my documents organized for taxes. Yeah. Not fun, but it's that time of year. I try to make sure we're having fun in some form or fashion over the course of the weekend, uh, whether that's a hobby, a shared experience, whatever. I prioritize relationships on the weekend. Mallory and I work to kind of think who do we need to connect with mm. and how do we do that, including beginning with our, you know, making sure we've got time for ourselves. Uh, Sunday, we can talk about this some more in a minute, but uh, worship is a big part of that. That's that's a, a ritual that we view as critical. Having having fun again. So you know, if I can play nine holes of golf sometime over the weekend, that's good. If I can get outside and if the weather permits, you know, I, I live near a bunch of trails. Go hike. I love that. I think Sunday is also a time where we're just thinking about relationships. But then I also use part of my. Um, typically late afternoon or kind of the end of the early evening to prep and plan and set up the week to come. So that's, that, that would be my sort of approach at a very high level. So I'm going to recap that really quick. Monday, Monday is kind of your routine check-in huddles that are kind of always recurring. You kind of have the more, I would say more project based conversations and some of your rotating one-on-one check-ins on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you reserve Thursday and Fridays. It's kind of your like dig into the weeds, get some stuff done by yourself type of time. And then you keep the weekends, personal projects on Saturdays, plus some relational investment, then relational investment, obviously spiritual parts of that for you for sure on Sunday. And then Sunday afternoon, some or evening, some pocket of time for prep for the next week. Yeah, if I don't do that and start Monday morning without that last uh, item prep, it's a hard start. Yeah. Well, first of all, I can, I wish I couldn't emotionally relate to that. But for me, if I don't, whenever I have to do it on Monday morning, I feel like I lost a third of the day just trying to wrap my brain around the week. Um, so So I really connect with that. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of questions about that. But before I do that, I want to actually go to a question that can help us kind of explain the framework you just talked through, right? So there are clearly guiding principles that you've learned over the years that help you think through how you design that week. And you kind of alluded to a few of them. 
right? Yeah. Um, but I am interested in hearing just the philosophy behind how you design your week, especially, you know, almost as if you were sitting down and saying, okay, because I know you do this at some you you do this at various intervals, whether it be quarterly or annually. Where you're, sitting, I know you sit and say, "Let me just look at this whole thing holistically. Is it still serving me? What can I change about it? What should I change about it?" When you're doing that, what are you even thinking about or doing to create your version of an ideal week? Yeah, and I think this may be even more important than hearing what my week looks like because your week may look radically different for all kinds of good reasons. But the principles. I think are universal to a lot of people. So I, I'll give you a number of them. I think I, I got, uh, let's see, I wrote down about eight, Kev. Oh, go for it. One is, uh, I get this from Henry Cloud. You have to acknowledge, first of all, you're ridiculously in charge of you, hmm. which basically means you're in charge of your schedule as well. And that doesn't mean you're in charge of every aspect of it. There are obviously things that we're obligated to do or have to respond to, but don't absolve yourself from responsibility for trying to own your calendar. I think that is fundamental to being successful. So you're ridiculously in charge of you. Second principle I would tell you is resources always follow vision. Hmm. And that, uh, that can apply in a lot of realms. Like if you're raising money for something, you got to cast a vision for it. Think about um, someone that's trying to start a business, you know, they got to go cast vision, share the business plan. That's where, how you get the money. Well, Time is a resource, mm. uh, maybe your most valuable resource. So this principle applies here. Your calendar should look like your vision coming to life. Wow. And if there's misalignment between what you say, your vision, your priorities, your life plan, whatever whatever it is for you, if your calendar does not reflect that, that that is misalignment and that's that ought to be setting off some kind of alarm. Mm -hmm. So resources follow vision. All right, here's three. You got to start with the big rocks first. And I'll never forget way back in the day, seeing the old Stephen Covey video where he, if you haven't seen this, I'm sure you can YouTube and find it where he's in some setting, teaching a seminar and he has a lady come up and he has all these little rocks laid down the table and he's got the glass jar and he's asking her to get the, all the rocks in the glass jar. <clears throat> He promises her they'll fit, but she struggles with it. And the only way they fit is if you start with the very biggest rocks first and work your way down to the little ones and they fall into all the little cracks. And so that is a powerful metaphor for, I think, how we have to think about our calendars. And honestly, uh, working on the calendar is it's like this puzzle that you have to solve. How do you fit your priorities all into a week. So when I think about things like stuff I say is important around my faith or my family or health, obviously career, relationships and community, how do I make that fit? And I have to begin with the biggest things first. I will, I'll give you one little practical example. I actually will do this in the fall of each year. I'll try to get ahead of all the requests that are coming and I will time block for the year and go ahead and try to get vacation time on the calendar and save multiple day travel blocks. Because mm -hmm. I, I know if I don't, I'm going to run into trouble. I won't find those weeks for vacation. Mm -hmm. And I won't even find in, in many cases, two days uh, back to back together that I can use for travel. Now, I don't necessarily know where I'm going. Sure. But I at least have those, those times blocked. That's awesome. All right. So here's four. Own your morning. 
And the reason for that, and you may not consider yourself to be a morning person. I was not at one point in time. I have had to become a morning person. It's because you just have more control and mm-hmm. are less likely to be interrupted. It is less socially acceptable to call someone at 530 in the morning and dump something on them than it is at 730 sure. p.m. Right. So figure out what it is that you need to kind of do day in and day out. And if you can get up and knock it out in the morning before the craziness starts, it's to your advantage. Fifth would be just have rhythms and rituals. And we've talked about this before. We can talk about it again if we need to. But we learned from Tommy Newberry, he calls it EMSR, Early Morning Success Ritual. It's basically a script of the things you need to do starting the moment you wake up until you kind of plug into your first work activity. And so I do that. I have an early morning success ritual. It includes a quick after action review of the previous day, what went well and what didn't and what adjustment do I need to make. It is a review of the current day's plan. There is a a spiritual component for me, devotion, Bible reading, a podcast I go through, prayer, and then workout. And it takes a couple of hours to kind of knock all that stuff out. So I always know, you know, at what point do I need to head out the door or, or log into the first meeting and then I got to work backwards and that's going to tell me what time I got to get up and get going. Yeah. So that's an example of a rhythm and ritual, but it could be other things too. It could be date night every week. It could be, you know, connection time with family members, but figure out what those things are. All right. Six, you got to have margin and white space. So one, figuring out how much you need at what interval and then going ahead and and treating that like a big rock and getting it on the calendar too. So when I work with Tania, she and I know I've got to have at least four hours a week minimum to handle email response and just prep for upcoming meetings. More can be helpful, but that's probably a minimum. And so uh, you can't give all that away. Yeah. Uh, you have to treat the appointment with yourself as important as well. You're going to have to have some white space uh, to respond to the unexpected things that pop up and require attention, or you'll end up having to cancel something. And I think white space and margin, we can get into this more, but I think that encompasses rest and recovery too, even outside of work. You know, mm-hmm. how do you recharge your battery? Uh, you got to charge your uh, devices probably every day. You you got to charge up yourself as well. Seven is prep ahead. Doesn't mean a lot of prep. I can prep for a meeting in two, you know, I can get my head in a meeting in just a couple of minutes sometimes. Sometimes it takes a lot longer depending upon how much there is to read. But I keep all my notes in OneNote and I can go back and look at what we talked about last and I'll, if someone sends me stuff about the agenda, I, I'll just move it over to OneNote. So I've got it all in this one place. And that helps me prep and capture key decisions or action items coming out of a meeting. I got a quote that uh, was attributed to Bear Bryant, the Alabama football coach. But it says this, it's not the will to win that matters. Everyone has that. It's the will to prepare to win mm. that matters. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to go next level, you've got to check out your prep and, and make sure you're putting in the right amount of, of prep. And then the last thing I'll say relative to uh, a principle for the calendar is figure out where you can strip friction out of the process. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty maniacal about this. You know, where's the wasted energy, movement, time? I'll, I'll give you a simple example. 
when I go to the airport, the Atlanta airport, I'm trying to figure out how to strip all the friction out. Mm-hmm. So I, I paid extra to get this one parking space. that's almost kind of guaranteed because I figured out the two biggest stress points in getting there are finding a parking place mm-hmm. and then getting through security. Yep. And so I've done everything I can to control and mitigate unexpected challenge around finding a parking place. And of course, I'm, I'm always TSA pre-check. I got clear uh, everything because I travel enough where I got to strip the friction out. I love that. Um, I'm not checking a bag if I don't have to because then I got to get there earlier for that. I got to wait around for it on the back end. And I, you know, you just kind of want to control control as much as you can. And so that's just really uh, important to think, how can you strip friction out? Sometimes that's packing your bag, laying everything out the night before. So you don't have to think too much. You just got to just kind of, you know, execute the plan. First of all, there's so much there. And I'll be the first one to admit everybody, David and I already decided we're not going to go. I'm not going to be able to unpack as much with him because there's a lot to cover in this episode because I do know this. And we can always come back to it. So if you have questions, you are welcome to send us an email to connect at we are mentor. So it's mntr.co. So connect at we are mentor.co. Um, and we will, if we can bring some things back for follow up. But I want you to take those principles at face value and trust yourself to use your wisdom and your experiences to apply them as you need to. I mean, I know there's some things that I want to dig into, but that's because of my current situation that I'm like, Ooh, I want to explore that one more with David. And I want to make sure we give you as much as we can in the time we have. Now, David, you, you kind of alluded to this just now, and that was come some of those kind of essential elements that you want to have, including your weekly schedule, like your morning routine, you know, and how that might look. Uh, you talked about, how you script that, how you make sure you, you know, even if I have to get up a little earlier that day because of my day starting and my first meeting, I'm going to get up earlier. I am curious to hear, um, are there any other essentials that show up in your weekly schedule at a high level? So you might say, yeah, Kevin, you know, I'm always looking for these three or four meetings that have to happen. I don't, I don't care if it is the most busy week or the most empty week. These are a couple things I'm always thinking about as a leader to be effective. And when it comes to me leading myself and my family, these are two or three things. I'm always calling, you know, kind of my essential ingredients within a week. Yeah. So let's take a couple of the principles that I reference and then talk about how they kind of might, they play out for me and how they could play out for uh, the, our listeners. So um, remembering that resources follow vision. That's a principle. You got to begin with the big rocks. And then there are certain rhythms and rituals that just sort of keep you healthy and, and are fundamental. So what, what I think that means for me is you've got to think top down and not bottom up when you start building out your schedule, meaning wow. vision, priorities, overall business plan, life plan, whatever. You want to start there and make sure that you're calendaring the things that are going to make that a reality. Yeah. And, and so you talk about, um, you've alluded to this idea of prioritizing. You could call them uh, tier one, tier two, tier three. It just means the bigger rock, the medium rocks, the smaller rocks. How do you work your calendar that way and sort of layer stuff in? And, and so if I mix kind of personal and, um, and 
professional in this response, I would say, well, what's tier one? Well, if, if, if I say worship is, a, is, if that's who I want to be, then I've got to make sure that's reflected in my calendar. If my marriage, if I say that's a priority, where are the time blocks that show that I'm investing in my marriage? Whether that's wow, just that's good. S- simple, you know, couch talk time with Mallory or sharing meals together or having, you know, a, an official date, the morning ritual. I know that's fundamental because that's how I'm going to, um, I'm working to stay healthy spiritually. I'm working to stay healthy physically. So I got to, I got to make sure that's in there. Family connection that may be face to face. And I've got to think, well, how long has it been since I've actually had a, you know, a, a, a real gathering with this person or, do I need to call my parents? You know, what's the rhythm I need to, to, to call my parents? I love that. Growth and learning. Sometimes this goes to the bottom of the pile, but I think this is really important. And so I'm trying to make sure that as a tier one activity, there's some sort of personal and professional growth built into that. That and I'm, sometimes I can leverage workouts, commute time. To do yep. some of that, if it's listening to a podcast or going through an audible book, sometimes it's meeting with someone or having an experience or just being plugged into sort of a formal coaching or development program, whatever the case may be. I think that's got to show up in some form or fashion. And then when I start to think about work, what's tier one work, leadership teams, um, who are, I mean, because we, we talked in the last podcast about leverage a little bit. Yeah. That's where I have the most leverage is pouring into my leadership team and connecting with them. And so that is a very core Monday morning kind of activity. Start with them. I'm on other leadership teams, um, and we tend to have um, big connection meetings early in the week as well. I've referenced Tania. She and I have to connect at some point so that we can align and plan, and I've got to arm her with the latest information so that she can do her job well. And she's got questions uh, that she needs to ask me, or input, or coaching, or feedback that she needs to give me, which is always very helpful. Yeah, I've got to have some of that white space we talked about, personal prep and response time. And then I'm responsible for some strategic projects. How am I checking in on them? That sounds like a lot, but that's kind of tier one. And what I love about that is, first of all, it is a little bit overwhelming to hear out loud. I mean, right? I mean, so I want to be very clear for everybody everybody who's listening that's like, Kevin, did you hear what David just said? He named 15 things in tier one, right? And I want to, first of all, help you all understand this. This is why this podcast exists. We have a lot of people like you and I who are ambitious professionals that have all these big goals and want to achieve these things through our work, whether it means starting a business, growing in the organization that we currently work in. And we don't understand that for the top leaders, what ends up happening is as you grow, they just give you more to deal with, right? The reward is more problems to solve. The reward is more things in under your purview. And what we want to help you understand is, at David's level, tier one does look huge, right? We're talking to a gentleman who has three children, right? And a wife and and parents he wants to take care of and people he wants to check in, in on and in a, in a church he's heavily and actively engaged in and a large team. It will be larger. The more you grow, tier one does expand. And that all, really what that means is 
you have to be more strict on what makes it to tier one, right? Like what truly matters for me? Because at my level, if I'm really doing what I want to do, tier two and tier three have to get smaller over time because I've really been focused with through my life plan and my business plan on what even falls into tier one. Um, and so, David, I do think that's a perfect setup, really, for this next question. You know, you were kind enough to let me see what an average week looks like. You sent me a screenshot of your calendar. And um, I didn't tell you this until, you know, right before we got on, but I nerded out over it. And I said, okay, Kevin, how many hours a week is David in meetings? Now, I have no idea that this was an average week. This could be actually way different. But I counted it up, I and I could be a little off, but I saw 26 hours in meetings in that one week. That's an average of 5.2 hours per day. Now, the lightest day was 3.25 hours. The busiest day was 7.25 hours. And for those who are like, oh my gosh, I know, I had the same reaction. But what got me excited was I saw that your earliest arrival time at work was still 8.30 and you were shutting it down 80% of the time by 5 p.m., right? Now, that doesn't include commute, so you had to set your hour in the car. But I'm saying to myself, that's amazing, right? Because most of us are thinking, what in the world? What do you mean? Just just if I had that many meetings alone, I'd be working all day or all night just to get my stuff done. So I wanted to just directly ask you, when and how do you get so much work done in essentially your three hours per day that you're not in a meeting? And so, I mean, I literally, I mean, I was actually beaming, smiling, because I knew to myself, I know David Farmer, I know how he leads his life. So to see that many meetings and still know your level of effectiveness, I was like, what is David doing and how is he pulling this off? Hang tight. We'll be right back with David's response to this question after this quick break. Focusing your efforts on work that matters is what I call effective productivity. The challenge is keeping those tasks front of mind throughout each hectic work week. That's why I'm excited to share four new products from the leader in effective productivity, Full Focus. Like the weekly Big Three bookmark, which holds your place while reminding you of your weekly Big Three goals. Or the weekly Preview Desk tool, giving you an at-a-glance view of your week, including your personal care and weekly goals. Or the Meeting Notes Desk tool, which helps you transform your meetings into valuable occasions that your team looks forward to and moves your goals forward. And with the two new additions to the full focus planner line, including the new Navy coil and large format great portfolio planners, which I personally use, this is a productivity line you need to see. Even better, Take 10% off site-wide until March 18th, 2022, when you go to executiveminds.co forward slash full focus. Don't let your life's crazy pace throw you off your game. Go to executiveminds.co forward slash full focus and stay focused on the work that matters. 
Hey, go-getters, I recently announced that Executive Minds joined the Art of Leadership Network. Well, today, I wanted to let you know that I'm going a bit deeper with the Art of Leadership. Kerry Newhoff and his team have launched the Art of Leadership Academy, an online learning community with the courses, strategies, and insights you need to lead a thriving business or organization. And I am in the academy as one of the community leaders. Leadership can feel like a mystery, but it doesn't have to remain that way. Go to artofleadershipacademy.com. The moment you sign up, you get access to a growing library of premium on-demand courses, monthly live coaching with Carrie Newhoff, staff training, and a premium community with other leaders facing the same challenges and opportunities you do. Also, through the end of March 2022, Executive Minds listeners get an introductory price of $297. That's $100 off when you use the promo code ExecMinds at checkout. Again, visit artofleadershipacademy.com to learn more and use the code execminds, all one word, to get instant access at a great low price. See you there. Now, back to today's episode. Yeah, that's a great question. I'll give you, can I give you a couple of, of I'll respond in a couple of ways. So oh, please, go we, for it. We just had the Super Bowl. Think about football as a metaphor, an example. And you always hear about, the challenge that great, let's take a college player, great college players have when they move up to the professional level. They talk about how the game speeds up. Mm -hmm. So they've got to do all the things they used to do, but they've got to process a lot faster now. Right. And so that is true for us as we continue to progress and move up in our career as well. You're going to do a lot of the same things. But to your point you made earlier, you're going to likely have more responsibility. So you've got to figure out how can you do it faster or in some ways do it differently, which can lead to the sort of second principle, which is leverage. Where do you find leverage? We talked about that last time. I won't rehash all that. But my leadership team and some of the key people that I work with are leveraged. So while I'm in meetings, it doesn't mean I'm not getting work done because they're helping me. And that's mm -hmm. where a lot of the leverage is, um, mm -hmm. is partnering with people. Uh, we, we work to make sure they're really clear on what needs to happen. We kind of wrestle with and debate the things that aren't, you know, that we're, we're, we're still trying to figure out. And then they're helping to activate all that. But I'll give you one other little very practical tip that I do. Um, I, I try to set work up so that I can knock it out quickly. And the best way I can explain it, if I'm, if I got a lot of personal business stuff to catch up on, say I've got to pay bills and process mail and do some follow up on, on some personal business items, I will take time up front and I will stage my desk. And so what that means, I'll open all the mail. I won't necessarily read it, but I'll get it all stacked up. I'll pull out the folder with all the bills I've got to you know, get online and pay. I'll, I'll basically set it up. And then this is, this is where you get super OCD. I think about in what order I, do I want to tackle it. 
Uh, I try to figure out how much time I can afford to spend on each activity as sort of a target anyway. I'll start with something easy. It's almost like you're warming up at the gym just to sort of get going. I'm trying to work my way into some type of flow state. Mm-hmm. And because I've prepped and staged the desk, once I get going, I can knock stuff out. I have momentum and I don't get distracted. And I kind of go from, I start to, I don't know, I'm probably getting some sort of endorphin buzz when I knock something off the list. You know, I'm one of those people who, I'll write it down again just so I can check it off the list. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know what that says about my uh, character, but at any rate, um, <laughs> that helps me be really, really efficient. That's another way of kind of – I spend time up front to strip all that friction, out, and then I get going. And you'd be amazed at what you can get going when you find yourself in that state. So for you, is that a nightly thing? Like I'm, I'm saying to myself, going back to the, the premise of this of this question, on average, you have about 2.75, three hours on any given day, on average, to kind of get that in. Or you're like, no, actually, guys, I'm, I'm actually backloading that stuff on my Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning personal time because I know that's the only time of the week when I can really get into an extended flow state. It's a little bit of both. I got to do some of this prep every day. Like I'll give you an example. If I'm going to be working out every day and I don't do the same workout every day. I have like a program that I'll work over the course of the week and it has to flex a little bit based on where I am. Cause I can work out in different places. I don't go to the gym and then figure out what I'm going to do. Hmm. Yeah. I've, I've already figured out what I'm going to do so that when I get there, I'm not fooling around. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's, I got to optimize that time while I'm there. And so it doesn't, you're going to have to figure it out at some point. So why not just, you know, the night before just kind of say, Hey, these are my priorities and this is what I'm going to do when I get there. And I have to react sometime because, you know, somebody's in my way or what, you know, stuff happens, but I'm kind of all business when I get there. So you got to do some of it that way. And then some of it does sort of get held to the end of the week. I'll say this about my evenings. I try not to get too ambitious about what I'm going to get done in the evening. The mm. downside to getting up super early is you start to run out of gas at night. You know? <laughs> yeah, you do. I feel that. <laughs> and you can you can have, you know, it's like going to the buffet line. You had big plans, but you put way too much food on the plate. And um, yes, so yes. I try to say, what's the one thing I really need to get done? That apart from just connecting with Mallory and family and, and don't, you know, let's do that. If you get anything else beyond that, that that's a bonus, but be reasonable about how mm-hmm. much I can get done during the week in the evening and know that, you know, probably Saturday is going to be my big project day as a rule. Okay. Well, first of all, there's two things there. You just set me up really well by talking through how you prep through the whole week. So for my next question, I do want to say something that I observed just listening to you talk and obviously looking at your calendar. And I also have this experience from being in meetings with you where I've seen you lead a meeting incredibly well. It's very clear that meetings are clearly a critical part of your day and how you get leverage, right? You're talking to multiple people at once very often so that you can disseminate information and also consume information as a group, which hopefully sometimes gives you leverage because you're not repeating it outside of that meeting to 75 different people because everybody heard it at once. And that can be sometimes be used as a form of leverage. But I also know that likely means a poorly run meeting 
is a killer because you are counting on that meeting for a certain amount of leverage, either speed of knowledge transfer, disseminating multiple people at one time, a bunch of other levers. And so I want to tell everybody, I understand that, right? For as, as leaders, looking at David's calendar, you can see who he's talking to and saying to yourself, wow, he must be using this for leverage as well. And, you know, and so I, I am going to get David on a future episode to discuss how we can master meetings, not necessarily just agendas, but how we can maximize progress through them. Right. Because you can just share information all day that could have been an email. Right. And so I want to so I wanted to say that out loud. And that's my first thing. The second thing is you alluded to all the prep you're doing. And so I thought about that. I said, well, I know developing others requires thinking about them, how they're progressing, weaknesses they need to, need to improve upon, things you want to affirm them for, uh, I, I mean, thinking through challenges and, you know, problems you're facing, maybe something you just learned in another meeting is sparking an idea or an observation or follow-up question, maybe even a follow-up meeting. You're consuming all of these reports and updates from your team. You're preparing your, your schedule to, and staging your desk. All of that requires a lot of thinking. And when I looked at your calendar, I'm thinking to myself, with a packed schedule and you have actual tactical things to complete on average in just three hours a day, I'm saying to myself, how does David even secure the time to think and prep at this level to be this effective and yet you're still saying, yeah, I'm processing everything that's coming in and still having the space to do that. So just talk us through like any of your habits or practices to mentally be able to pre prepare and engage at this level. So go back to the football analogy. You do get better at it and you get faster at it. It mm. becomes sort of second nature. But uh, I also figure out where, where do I have discretionary time? like time in the car. Uh, if I'm not working out with somebody, if I'm working out by myself, I, I mean, I can listen to something or I can think or I can do something. So I could just veg out when I'm in the car and listen to sports talk radio or music or whatever. And I'm not saying I don't do that sometimes, but that often is when I have to just stop and ref that's reflection time. Hmm. That's that's think time. I'm trying, I, I'm, I would not say this is a strength, Kevin, but I'm trying to get better at what I would call just meditation time. Mm. Some of that is breathing because I've studied and read a little bit about how we breathe and how important that is. And some of it is just mindfulness and, and reflection. That is not necessarily strength. I'm way too impatient for that, but I'm working on trying to get better at that and build that uh, into my, um, I would say, you know, as, as, a, as a critical part of the routine, just not there yet. Okay, got it. So, so your drive time, that two-hour round trip, yeah, commute on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, are critical prep time for what's going to set you up for the other times you can sit down and knock it out. Yeah, and I mean you know this, but before the pandemic, I was paying somebody three days a week to drive me so that I could leverage that time. Yeah, and I haven't had to do that since, but. I finally decided it was worth it, mm -hmm. you know, for me to be at my best. Yes. And I, and I think, once again, I think for all of us, it's great to hear because at the end of the day, we often ask ourselves, 
David or a guy like David or a woman like, you know, in this situation like David, we're like, we have so much respect for these individuals who seem to be so engaged at home, take care of their bodies, take care of their minds and perform at a high level. And we're like, what are they doing? And now we're seeing some of this is a personal cost to you, right? LeBron James spends a million dollars on his body outside of what the Lakers give him. Because he's like, hey, this is what's going to take to play 18 years. You know, at this high level, I've got to spend a million dollars a year out of my own pocket to make sure. And once again, as you can see, everybody, there is a reward, right? I mean, LeBron's playing against other professionals and he makes them look like he's playing against me, right? That's probably the point is there is a lever there and a layer that comes with an investment on behalf of the individual that that the team, despite having state-of-the-art facilities and world-class doctors, even that still is not enough at the highest level to get you to where you really want to go. Um, so I think you thank you for sharing about that, about the driver. Um, actually, I was actually wondering if you still had him, but now you kind of mentioned you don't. So I'm curious to hear that goes in the future with you going back to the office a bit more. So a few more questions. For the sake of the listeners, I am curious, you, you kind of alluded to this briefly, and that is how you modify your schedule during a heavy travel week. Now, I know it varies based on how long you're gone, where you're going, but just at a ph- philosophical level, right? I mean, hey, I've got this really fantastic scripted ideal week that me and Tania can, can make and, and Rebecca can make much more close to ideal when I'm at home. What does that look like on the road? Yeah, um, I try to replicate as much of my life on the road, make it look as much like life at home as possible. So I keep things in my carry-on bag that I need for that. Like I got a little bitty workout kit that I can use no matter how rinky-dink the hotel gym is, stuff like that. This next week will be interesting because Tania knows, like you said, I don't come in before 8.30. She knows I really would prefer not to have a meeting before 9, but sometimes it is 8.30 because I know how much time I need for my EMSR. And so the earlier the day starts, the earlier I have to get up. Now, Monday, I've got a flight that leaves at 7.20 a.m. And in Atlanta, you got to get there. And that means, you know, probably have to leave the house almost two hours before that. Mm -hmm. And then I need two and a half plus hours before that. I'm just not going to get it all in like I would. So what I have to do is say, well, I'm going to have to make Monday my workout recovery day because I'm Mm. not going to get as much work in that day. So I've got to adjust accordingly. It's not the norm, fortunately. It just is what it is because we're having to get up uh, to Charlotte, North Carolina by a certain time. So you have to to make adjustments. But if I can replicate, I know how long EMS are, if I can replicate on the road what I'm trying to do at home, I think that's ideal so that it doesn't feel quite so disruptive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. And you mentioned earlier about expectations. I mean, do you just reduce the ambition of the day when you're on the road? Because I know there's a lot of like, there's a lot of organic hey we're all going to go get dinner dave would you come with the you know there's a lot of the relational elements of your job as a leader that also happen on the road you know just talk me through maybe how you would even modify that element maybe during the work day not just in the mornings so you may have to for that day or that two-day period of time there may be some things you have to over index on which Mm -hmm. means you just have to think about your week um holistically 
and say, so how do I uh, adjust accordingly? And if I'm not able to do some things while I'm traveling because I've got to over-index on some relationships or work stuff, where do I make up for it? And yeah. so you just got to balance it out over the course of the week. It's okay to have intense periods like that, exception days like that. You just don't want to live like that. And you don't want that to wipe out all the things that you said are important. So think week. And if, sometimes you even have to think longer than a week to make it all sort of balance out. I love that. That helps me a lot. Just selfishly. I was like, like, well, sometimes a week is really weird, but I think even thinking sometimes in two week cycles might be helpful yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Okay. So two more questions. One, the quick one, you kind of alluded to this earlier about having to give you about four hours of flex time throughout the week that you can do to prepare for something or kind of slip in an urgent task. What other things, if anything at all, do you do to maintain flexibility to respond to the needs of your leaders and team when your schedule is already fairly full accommodating pre-existing demands for your time? I want to be responsive as much as I can. I'm not good at email. So part of what I do is I tell people, I, I'm just being honest with you. If you email me, I may not see it right away. So text me, you know, so you sort of work with your people so they know how they can interrupt you. Mm -hmm. uh, teach them how to do that. That's great. This gets super tactical, but I have sort of trained the team how we communicate. Mm. And I, I use this one example. I studied, I even got a chance to hear from this guy who was part of the, um, the team that went in to take down bin Laden. And they talked mm. about how they have to communicate when their own mission and everything. It's super intense. And that's an extreme mm. example. But sure. I said, we've got to learn how to communicate. We're on a mission. Stakes aren't quite, quite as high. But I'll give you some examples. We, we actually borrow this from the military. We always, we, we say bluff, bottom line mm. up front, you know. Mm. Tell me what this is all about in one sentence right out of the gate. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I'm not sure Mallory loves this, but she knows that <laughs> if she wants to, that bluff is my love language. She's going to talk to me that way. She also likes to remind me she's not actually on my team, you know, but um, <laughs> here's another one. Think uh, onion, not apple. All right. Mm. Here, here's what I mean. Onions are layers. Okay. Mm. Just give me the top layer. Mm. If I want more, I'll ask you for the next layer. If I need more mm. than that, I'll ask you for the next layer. There's lots of layers there. Think about it. Think how you peel an apple. Mm. It starts as one long thread. If mm -hmm. you peel an apple on me, I'm like, where are we going with this? Yeah. I, I, I'm not telling you I'm proud of it, but I am super impatient. I will lose my mind and start to check out and, you know, and, and work, I have to work really hard to repress bad behaviors at that point. So don't peel an apple on me. Mm. And then we, we talk a little bit about airplanes and what's, what's a flight like. You spend the most energy uh, on an airplane taking off. And the way I translate that to how we interact with one another, hit me really hard with back to bluff what you're trying to get at right out of the gate. Let's get up in the air quick. And then the other thing I know about airplanes, if you don't land the plane, you're going to run out of fuel and people are going to die. Mm. So land the plane, you know, so mm. <laughs> all, all, those are, those are principles that mm -hmm. let us interrupt and um, flex efficiently. Yes. Now that yes. doesn't mean we don't care about relationships and that we don't do things to build rapport and culture. And I think I want everybody in my team to know how much I love them 
and care for them and advocate for them. So we have sometimes where it's just, you know, what's it, what's happening with the kids and all that. But when you talk about moments where you got to go fast, you got to learn how to go fast. That's, that's great. That's great. That's great. And that's something I'm working on everybody. So just FYI, Kevin bluff is not Kevin's strength. Uh, we're working on it. Uh, my wife, my wife, it comes more naturally to her. So David and my wife kind of have a little more bluff in common uh, than, than I do. Um, so final question, and you can just give us, you know, we, we have a bluff moment here right now. After 30 years of leading, but also I would say pretty intentionally and substantially investing in professional development, what would you want our listeners a decade or two behind you to think about and do to help them master their schedule and calendar for the goal of raising effectiveness? So just any parting words here. They have got to spend more time thinking about the why than just the what. Mm. Uh, they've, they've got to, another way to say it is they've got to be thinking about who they want to be. And why that that is true for them and not just the what they want to do. So if they get clarity around that, which is a very hard thing to do. Uh, you know, I was involved. You've been involved with Tommy Newberry. He calls this organization at least he did 1% club because he, he says only 1% of the people are going to actually take the time to think this through and write it down and kind of commit to it. But if you will do the hard work around who you want to be, get into some of the whys that is going to make all the doing, all the what, so much easier. You'll have so much more clarity. You'll have a filter to figure out what's worthy of being on your calendar and what might not make the cut. Amazing. Well, David, I am going to close this show without you here so I can respect your time. But I want to say thank you. I mean, this was a, I mean, truly, this was like a master class. In, in thinking through how we can master our schedules to raise our game and make us more effective as leaders and as people, and hopefully even at home with our families. So I appreciate you, my friend, and thank you for hanging out today. Kevin, you're kind. I appreciate that. And I'll just end by saying I'm still learning. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much again, David. Take care, my friend. See you, brother. All right. Bye-bye. If you're anything like me, your head is spinning a little bit because there were so many ideas and principles in that conversation that you know you will need time to process everything you heard, maybe even before you can start applying all of it. Uh, but first, I do want to say thanks again to David for taking us behind the curtain into how he maximizes his time. I only have a, a few quick things to say regarding my takeaways. But I want to start with this. You just received thousands of dollars in value. How do I know that? Well, because David has spent thousands of dollars and hours working with executive coaches over the last 20 plus years to learn and refine what he shared with us in the past hour for free. This conversation is a form of leverage in your life. We're gaining value from someone else's money, time, work, and experiences. And I just want to first encourage you to use it wisely. Next, I encourage you to experiment as you apply what you learned. David's application of these principles has looked different during different life stages. 
when his kids were in high school participating in lots of activities, he applied these principles differently than he does now as an empty nester. Lastly, I encourage you to show yourself some grace as you apply what you learn. Attempting to improve the way you do things is still a process of change. So sometimes you'll stumble your way through it. Be kind to yourself and remember why you're doing all of this to improve your effectiveness for the long term, which means it's not a now or never kind of thing. We can focus on being 1% better today than we were yesterday. Again, this episode is rich and we work to provide you with notes from every episode so you don't have to worry about capturing everything on your own, especially if you're driving or doing another activity while you listen. So if you want a summary of today's episode, visit executiveminds.co forward slash 210. That's executiveminds.co forward slash 210. With that, I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Executive Minds, where ambitious professionals like you convert potential into high performance to grow their careers. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Subscribing automatically delivers episodes to you every week so we can help you do what? Grow on the go. Um, You also can find Executive Minds on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Also, help us spread the word and support more ambitious professionals and leaders like you by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then join us for our next episode. We'll be revisiting a conversation I had with Heather Zimple of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. She oversees the organization's leadership development training. And in our conversation, she reveals a framework we can use to develop leaders on our team and also develop ourselves as leaders. This powerful conversation will exponentially accelerate your growth and contribution at work. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And until next time, remember, organizations are just groups of people with a shared purpose. That means your organization grows when you grow. So today, grow where you are and grow what you're given without anyone's permission, because growth is a choice. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Executive Minds, the podcast helping you convert your potential into high performance so you can grow your career. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us for the next episode. For show notes and more resources, visit executiveminds.co. That's executiveminds.co. The Art of Leadership Network.